Welcome to the Seattle Public Library's podcasts of author readings and library events. Library podcasts are brought to you by the Seattle Public Library and Foundation. To learn more about our programs and podcasts, visit our website at www.spl.org. To learn how you can help the Library Foundation support the Seattle Public Library, go to foundation.spl.org. Um, I know some of you, um, and for other people, I might be newer to you. Good evening. My name is C. Davida Ingram, and I'm the Public Engagement Programs Manager. Um, I always like the way we start programs at the library um, in the evening because it's really designed for us to build community together. So thank you for taking a moment to meet your neighbor. Um, we often encourage people to meet their neighbor and do their gender pronouns, and that's to make this space very inclusive. And as Orlando said, use the restroom that best suits your gender identity. If you need support with getting in the restroom, let us know. We're always here to help. Um, tonight's program is entitled Evening the Score with Renee C. Baker. And before I move forward, I just want to acknowledge that we are on Duwamish land. Throughout 2018, we're looking forward to doing many programs that celebrate Native-led talent, artistry, and culture for both Coast Salish and urban Indian peoples in Seattle. So please stay tuned for the programming we're doing. And our community partner, Seattle Art Museum, is doing their opening tonight for double exposure. So we also encourage you to check out that programming as well. Our programs here in public engagement are made possible with support from the Seattle Public Library Foundation. Do we happen to have any donors or supporters in the audience tonight? Can we give them a round of applause? We appreciate you and your support means that we can bring people like Renee C. Baker into our library to celebrate her for her artistry. Um, we are about to get ready to show the film, but I wanna say before we show the film, Please stick around because after we listen to Renee C. Baker's original score for Oscar Michaud's Body and Soul, you get to meet the artist. And we will have probably a, about a 10 or 15 minute Q&A, so please, please stay after we show the film. Um, and before we show the film, I just wanted to read Renee's bio. So Renee is a composer. She scores for Chicago Modern Orchestra Project. Um, and she's a music director and conductor of the internationally acclaimed Chicago Modern Orchestra Project. She has composed more than 2,000 works, I said 2,000, which is huge, for ensembles including commissioned pieces for the Chicago Symphonetta and the Chicago Symphonetta Chamber Ensemble, Berlin International Brass, Joffrey Ballet Chamber Series, Dancer Wright Project San Francisco, and many others. In composing for silent film, Renee has created cutting-edge original, hold on for a second, got to keep my notes together, original scores for more than 100 films and performed her work at live screening events, film festivals with orchestras and ensembles across the globe. Baker's film score recordings include Body and Soul, which you'll see tonight, but also Broken Blossoms, Women of Ryazan and An Orphan, Birth of a Nation, A Natural Born Gambler, and The Bluebird, to name a few. Her own experimental forays, um, we, the film we just watched was one of her experimental pieces called Dinner, um, are forays into surreal, surrealistic filmmaking and have resulted in 31-hour films entitled 
Outer Extremia art film cinema series currently being screened in Seattle and around the country and abroad in alternative cinema locations. So can we give a warm round of applause for Renee? It's always exciting to have national artists come to Seattle, and after we watch the film, we will get to chat with Renee. Good. Did you like it? Don't lie. Say it. No, I'm, I had a lot of fun doing it. It's so nice to have. I think, I think it's still not on. There we go. Now it's on. There we go. Awesome. So, Renee, when we were getting ready for the program, one of the things that I know is that I'm in the hands of a very seasoned artist who meets audiences all around the country. But if you, just for the sake of the folks who might be listening on the podcast later, could you give us a sense of the film we just watched? Because it was pretty magisterial. So if you just give us a little sense of what Body and Soul is and why you scored it. Gotcha. Um, we just watched Body and Soul, 1925, um, written and directed by Oscar Micheaux. This was, I can't, I don't remember exactly in the scheme of his movies, but there, there were really only about three remaining silent films from about 45 films that he made. Um, Body and Soul is one of the best preserved, and it, it's, it's the first role of Paul Robeson in, uh, in film. And so uh, Oscar Micheaux was, was very instrumental in uh, developing the race film, or the films for black audiences. And um, this was one that, because he was the original DIY dude, you know, where he rode, took it around, screened it, wrote it, produced it, he didn't have a lot of money. So often the archival, um, the, the way he saved things wasn't good. So, so many of the films just, either they're lost or they're, they're in poor enough condition that a lot of them couldn't be preserved. This movie originally was nine reels. This was five that you saw. That's what was preserved of it. So if you notice toward the end of the movie, there was a card that said part eight. I didn't take it out on purpose because I, um, I think not only is it his art, but it's already been chopped up enough by censor boards or whatever, so I decided um, uh, to leave it in. But it is a, a really good glimpse, sometimes comical, but pretty truthful, of what life was like for uh, the African-American here in America in 1925. That's fantastic. And for our audience, um, one cool thing is that we have the theater till just before 8.30, and in a moment we're going to pass the mics to you. So if you have questions, are there folks who have questions for Renee? Can you raise your hand if you have questions? So there are folks who have questions. Um, I'm going to ask two more, and then we're going to open it up. Um, so just for a frame, framework, it was really, um, this was my first time watching Body and Soul. And it's interesting because on one level, it's been such a big year for black film, if you think of A Wrinkle in Time with Ava DuVernay. 
um, with black directors in particular. And then if you also think of um, even something like Black Panther, um, just the way black imagination is kind of shifting around. And so being able to go back to Oscar Michaud and extend that line is, is important. But just this past week in the library, we had a program that was inspired by the movement about Me Too. So I think that moment in the film where we're looking at the politics around gender and race and sexual assault, even if it changes at the end, that was very interesting. Um, what were some of the things that stood out for you from scoring this film? Because there were many different things that happened in, yeah. in the types yeah. of music that you made. One thing that I, that I don't do when I'm looking at film is, you know, if, if I spend all my time looking at the political ramifications of everything, man, I'd never get the music done. So, yeah, me too, you too, you too, we too, whatever. I love the movie. And I was trying to honor the art of Oscar Micheaux in scoring this one. So I, um, I had a lot of fun with the, with the music. It, it took me about a year um, to finish because not being a real film composer at that time, I had to think through what it, what it was I was going to do and how I wanted to approach it. So I knew that my approach was going to be kind of abstract. I knew it was going to have a creative music influence, some jazz influence, some, a lot of dissonance. But um, because I'm not a trained filmmaker, I, I was aware of the uh, method of Mickey Mousing action, and I decided not to do that. Because if, if something's happening, you can see it. Intelligent people watch silent film. So you don't really need me to tell you what you just saw. My, I wanted the score to actually act as another character because I didn't have to fight with dialogue. So I could make it, I could score it the way I wanted to score it. But Body and Soul was merely an entree to, to scoring because um, I did not want to get pegged just as a black composer. I just wanted to be a film composer. So I quickly left Michaud and went to Japanese film <laughs> and then went to world cinema. But then I made a full circle and came back and scored the remaining two silent films of Oscar Michaud, which are Within Our Gates and Symbol of the Unconquered, both of which are movies that deal heavily with the, the, the theme of the KKK. So they were kind of answers to... D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation in, in, in trying to show that we really weren't all clowns as we were depicted in Birth of a Nation. But I have to admit, and don't throw anything, I have rescored Birth of a Nation, and I had a great time doing it. It's, it's history, um, and I think it needed to be put in a modern context. So I just thought I'd drop that little bomb. Got it. What do you think about... Well, yeah, there's a part of me that maybe just personally, I would, I don't want to push back, but I'm just thinking about the way when we look at the news and we look at the recent marches in Charlottesville. Yeah. So when you say it's in the past, it doesn't feel like it's very much in the past. Um, so when you were rescoring the film, what are some ways that you would connect the past with the present? It's connected to the present because I'm living. If you guys paid attention, in the parts that you saw in the first film, 
you saw the Charlottesville, uh, you, you saw a lot of stuff. So I don't avoid, I don't avoid it when I'm crafting my own work. However, when I'm um, crafting a score for someone else's work, dead or alive, I'm, I'm not trying to bring socio-political economic sense to it because I don't see that as my job as a composer. Also, I am not a headline chaser. So um, not that I dishonor anything anybody does, but I don't need the headlines to create. So if, if a riot happened here, I'm probably not going to write a piece about it the next week. I'm probably not gonna write a piece about it that year because other people will jump, I call them composing ambulance chasers. They, someone else will do it. So I have, my mission is different um, and it's a personal one. So I will always push back when people want to politicize what it is that I do because the political, if you see it as political, then see it as political, that's you. I choose to see what I do as art and let people pull the meanings from it that they want. Yeah, that's where I am. Before we open it up to the audience, um, just kind of set the stage for us. What led you to your love of music? And also, what are some of the things that made you move towards composing? Gotcha. Well, I've been playing since I was a child, first grade, uh, violin and viola. Played in orchestras. I'm died in the wool classical. That's that. About 10 years ago, though, I... I um, took a step onto the dark side and joined the AACM. Can you say what AACM means? The Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians. So um, a black uh, creative music collective started in 1965. So I, um, that's when I, in earnest, started looking at composition because I needed to learn the language that the AACM was using. I, I needed to be able to access it for me. So the easiest way for me to do that was to, was to write and to compose. And then, you know, I started my own projects because I didn't want to wait to hear my music from the other side. I thought I'd form groups. I, I'm, I'm not interested in posthumous awards. So I decided that I would uh, form my own orchestra for my own ensembles. And then I decided, even though I had worked at colleges and things for many years, I went back to school for music composition because I wanted to fill in some holes in my knowledge. And Body and Soul was a project that was brought to me from the film area, even though I was in the contemporary classical arena. Um, so that was the start of the journey. So you actually just saw my absolute first attempt at film scoring, which um, the press liked. So I ran with it and decided to um, work other silent films. So to this point with my ensemble, now we've scored over 200 silent films in the last three years. And so it's, it's been a, a great journey. Fantastic. We're going to open up the floor for questions. Um, we're going to get mics out to the audience. Please, please, please use the mic. Even if you're like me, I have a really loud voice, but for the podcast, we want to make sure everyone can hear 
Um, I think we had a question off to the side. Hey, Renee. So uh, can I ask two questions? Not, uh, first one is, what, what are the source for these films? Like, where do they come from? Are you getting, like, preserved things from archives, or where do they come from? Yeah, some of them come from archives. Um, this one we got from the Library of Congress. And there were two versions available. One that was an hour, 26 minutes or something. 119, 126, and 145. And so this is the one that um, I got, and I decided not to look at the other ones. But um, I worked very closely with the uh, um, Black Film Center archives at Indiana University. Uh, they've proven to be an absolutely invaluable resource. So I've made numerous visits there, and I leave with piles of things on their desks that they have to duplicate and get to me. Um, I do... A, I work with, with a lot of film producers who source their things directly from other archives in the Library of Congress, so, yeah. Uh, question number two, then, is more about your music. I know that you work in a lot of different modes. You work with through composed music and improvisation within a sort of structured context and graphic scores and conducted improvisation, and I'm curious how any or all of those things may have been at play in this work. You know, do you, is it, is it a little bit of all of them? Or are you kind of focusing on one or two areas like that? In scoring this one, because I didn't know anything about scoring, I, had, I did it the way they told me, which was to deal with a time frame and, and recording cues. And the reason why it took a year, I mean, I can't think of anything that I've ever taken a year to do other than, you know, form a baby but I mean, I mean, <laughs> but I, I had to learn the process properly. So, you know, it happened in five and ten minute increments, writing the arcs, writing it, recording it, and then sending it to the producer, like, like everybody else does. Um, I got kickbacks sometimes, and other times they said, oh, brilliant. And other times they said, well, this doesn't quite fit. But because I wasn't doing what I thought was going to turn into a commercial project, I kicked back just as hard because I wanted my vision, whatever my vision was, flawed or otherwise, on the movie. So there were many, many instances where we had disagreements, like those church scenes. Um, I got major kickback about that because the first request was, honestly, I said, could you, uh, uh, what do you think about holy, holy, holy? I said, what about it? Um, uh, uh, like where? Um, and I said, did, did we miss something? He's a jackleg preacher. He's a con man. So we're not going to use anything sacred. Period. So, but we wanted something that had singing or a voice or whatever. So we came up with the scat. So that's actually a trumpet player in my orchestra. So the... Um, if you heard it, you heard strings, you heard uh, the orchestra, you heard voices, you heard electronics, but it's a large ensemble. So depending on what I needed for that particular time frame, that's what we recorded. It didn't take long to record, but that, that, that putting it in process, we, we actually did it on Skype. He's, my producer's in New York, I was in Illinois, so every couple of weeks we would take 
you know, like a two or three hour time to, to move that thing back and forth and, and put it in. So my, you know, my concept process is always a combination of uh, absolutely traditional notation, graphic, painted, conducted, conceptualized. I mean, it's, it's, I use all of those concepts all the time, um, especially if I'm using my musicians. If I'm going somewhere and there are musicians that, that read, but they don't improvise or anything, then that's another thing. Then I have to bring all through composed. Yeah. Great questions. Next question. That was completely amazing. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that to us, Renee. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something. I really can't hear what's coming out of these mics. So... A little bit louder if you can. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Take it down a little bit. Yeah. How about this? Yeah. Is that good? That's better for me. Okay, great. Um, thank you. That was riveting and completely amazing. And I mean, I just, like, my heart was in my mouth the whole time. <laughs> I was like, wow. I just love Say that louder. Me. Say that louder. <laughs> I was great. <laughs> um, and I just... I just am, am stunned that this is your first work scoring a film. It it's, it's just blows me away. Girl, I'm good. Yes, you are. <laughs> and I just have, I mean, this is just a kind of a small process-oriented question. Um, did you, when you were leading your orchestra in the recording sessions, did you watch the video at the time when you were recording that bit oh yeah each bit um oh, yeah it's very different when you've been a music i've been a musician in pits and recording like forever but when you're the one who has to try to fit action to something um i had to make a decided i had to make a decision that i wasn't going to be able to hit every mark so every time somebody did something, I wasn't going to be able to give up to that. And so I stopped trying. I can tell you the one scene that was hardest for me to score was that stupid scene with him in that closet with those two brooms that fell because I didn't want to do it. And then the producer came back and said, those two brooms. I said, yeah. I saw him and you saw him, so they'll see him. But you said, no, no, Renee, we, 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 we need sound. I said, all right, I'll give you, I'll give you that one. But in general, I tried to match what was happening in people's heads. Do you remember the scene when they were in the buggy and the storm was happening? That was my favorite electronics scene, and they hated that. They kept saying, electronics? do not belong. I said, well, no one cares what year it is. We're just talking about a sound. But I thought that that scream, the, the, the anxiety in her face and voice and things, that that fit perfectly. Now, there's maybe a hundred other ways one could do it, but that's the way I wanted to do it. So, Just one more little thing. Speaking sure. of the scream, there's this um, the scene when um, the mother goes out to get food and Isabel is left by herself with this fake preacher and there's a kind of a screaming 
tone that is that it, that's like seems like an electronic um, screamy thing. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> there, there are electronics all through this. Um, when we, as a non-electronics kind of musician, we do have a tendency to think of electronic music often as only one kind of thing. Those of us that don't do it, okay. So. I like to use electronics as another instrument, not always as an interruption, not always as something to surprise, but something that can really help shape and craft the, the sonic landscape and can often, sometimes I get tired of trying to get those sounds out of instruments when I know I can get it if I just get to the right electronics artist. So I did. They were, were truly convinced, though, that electronics wouldn't work. But I won. We have about 10 minutes before we have to close the auditorium down. So let's do one more question. Um, any more questions before we let you mingle with Renee for a little bit? No more questions? Wow. If I mean, not, we'll ask you to do like a just closing thoughts, Renee. Just the. Closing thoughts, things that you'd probably like to share, insights that maybe we haven't got to? Well, um, uh, for me, uh, silent film was, was just something that, you know, you watched on Saturdays, you know, on television. But um, discovering body and soul and then discovering the hundreds of other kind of unsung silent, silent films. So many of the silent films were only seen a few times because um, that was some of the only entertainment. So people just cranked them out. They cranked them out every month. Some of them weren't very good, but many of them aren't around because they weren't preserved well. So I think for me, it, it was just a ready resource. Um, I have a palette that's pretty huge and silent film really allows me to exercise all of those, um, um, all of the techniques, you know. So I, I do it for the love of it. Um, I just happy, I'm just happy that I've been lucky to get screenings, to do film festivals, to have museums call, to have galleries ask. It's, it's really been amazing. And in July, of this year, it'll be three years that I've been on the silent film journey. So I've, I've had a great time. You're doing an amazing work. Um, I was telling Renee before the audience showed up, I was messaging with the curators for the Langston Hughes African American Film Festival. And they were so excited that she brought the film and they asked, do you think she might be interested in coming back to Seattle? So I hope you think about that. Um, and I'm so very, delighted to have met you so thank you thank you you're welcome all right we will wrap it up this podcast was presented by the seattle public library and foundation and made possible by your contributions to the seattle public library foundation thanks for listening